Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and welcome to episode 53. Hey, I've got a great show ahead for you. We're going to be dropping down under to the land of Australia, talking with author Chris Rosser coming up. But first, who are we? Hey, well, you know, if you are a subscriber, then you already know. But if you, perhaps this is your first time listening to the show, we are the show that uh, does a little conversational style interview with authors of varying success and, and experience, followed by the author themselves doing a reading from one of their books. That's right, they read a chapter from one of their books, and it's always a published book. So that means it's if you like what you hear, click those buttons and in the show notes. Go and check out their website. Head on over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, maybe even your local bookstore, and grab a copy for yourself because the book is available right away. Like I said, if you're a subscriber, then you already know that. Well, how do you subscribe? Well, the show's available on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, it's on Google, it's on FM Player, I, which I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. I just found out recently. Wherever it is you like to listen to podcasts, make sure that you are a subscriber. And then every week you're going to get a new episode, a new author, and a new sample chapter. You can also follow us on uh, social media. So you can go to Twitter or Facebook. It's just the Sample Chapter Podcast on either one of those. You can follow us or like, whichever way, uh, whichever way you like to go. Uh, we do post regularly on both of those. We share the author's episodes. We share uh, Throwback Thursday episodes. We uh, you know do lots of... We try and connect as much as we can. So make sure you go there to uh, check things out. If you want to contact us, you can use either one of those methods on, on social media. You can also reach out to us through email at samplechapterpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So you know, if you want to just reach out and say something about the show, if you have a recommendation for an author that you want to talk to, if you are an author yourself, and you'd like to come on the show, use any of those methods to reach out to me and let me know and we will work something out. Recommendations. You know, we've had a few in the past. Uh, recently, I had one from right here at home. <laughs> My wife has let me know that uh, she's promised to love me forever if I can get the one and only, the Vons, Henry Winkler, to come on the show. <laughs> we, we just... Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's just one of those things that's kind of slipped through my radar. I was not aware he was a he was an author, but that's just that's awesome. I mean, I, I would love it if he could come on. So hey, if anybody out there, if you are listening and you know of a way to contact Mr. Winkler, I've already uh, tweeted him on Facebook. I'm looking up other ways to contact him. You know, if, if anybody out there knows how to tell him, say, hey, uh, you know, this guy, this crazy guy with his own podcast, he really wants you, um, you know, Mr. Winkler, to come on the show. Hey, you know what? You do that, I'll make sure and, and give you a shout out on uh, on that episode. But anyway, that that's my wife's recommendation. That's who she wants me to reach out to. So what do you think? Uh, anybody that you want to hear from? We've already got several other people, uh, several other authors that are in the... Oh, what do you what do you call it here? Uh, well, I'm stirring the pot, you know, with a bunch of different authors. Um, I've got quite a few right now that I've recorded. Uh, you heard last week we did a bonus episode for the first time ever, uh, so that was that was really fun. I, I hope you enjoyed it. 
It was really cool getting to uh, to put up a second episode for the week. So really, when you're hearing this one on Tuesday morning, February 12th, this is the third show in a week's time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, what can I say? So yeah, I'm, I'm stirring the pot and trying to find uh, lots of different authors, you know, a lot of uh, some of the big names out there, some celebrities, and uh, you never know. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Mr. Winkler would uh, be happy to come on. And I know it would certainly make, <laughs> it certainly would give me a heavy day. Okay, a little tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, if you are anybody over 40 like me, you know that reference. Well, uh, <laughs> I think this is a good place for a word from our sponsor. You store all of Warrensburg, Missouri is the premium place for all your self-storage needs. With a fully fenced-in facility and gated access, you will have your own private gate code, 24-hour video surveillance on more than 50 cameras, and a variety of units to choose from, including non-climate control and climate control. And when I say climate control, that means heated, cooled, and dehumidification. Make sure to check them out online at ustoral.net. That is spelled the letter U, S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Hey, yes indeed. Thank you so much, as always, to Ustoral for being our sponsor for over a year now and, and uh, looking to have a nice long friendship with them going forward. Uh, not a sponsor, but a uh, very big friend of the show, one of, our, uh, one of our fellow networks here in Missouri, Pop Goes the Culture Network. Uh, make sure you go and follow those guys. I'm going to have links to this in the show notes. Uh, Pop Goes the Culture is a network out of Springfield, Missouri. They have a, a whole bunch of, of uh, really, really cool shows. Make sure you go check them out. One of my favorite ones is the the namesake of the network, the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Uh, as a movie fan, I also really enjoy their Alamo Draft House uh, weekly show where they go back and they or they, they look at the uh, what you know what movie, new movies are out what uh what's coming soon and uh, events at uh, their local alamo draft house i got the web links in the show notes so make sure you uh, click on one of those links and check them out you're gonna like it this week we are speaking with australian author and blogger chris rosser Th this is a really really cool story because i i've talked before that i'm kind of new to twitter and i go on there and i, I you know I, I push my team aside and i like to get on there and play every once in a while and, uh, one of the places I go to is the hashtag writing community. And, I, you know, I can't remember how it happened, but something, one of those posts in there, uh, we bumped into each other. We started chatting back and forth. And next thing you know, like literally hours later, we're, we're, we went ahead and met on Skype and did this interview. <laughs> so, I mean, it can happen just that quick, you know. And uh, what what's funny is the week that uh, this happened, you know, just it just we just happened to have the time that night for that to work out. But uh, what was unique was that the week I was doing this interview, I actually was uh, filling in a lot of interviews that week, uh, trying to get it, you know, get caught up from being sick before. And it was a particularly frigid week here in Missouri. Uh, you know, you may have seen it in the news. We were down below zero for, for like a day or two. Uh, it just hung out in the teens for several days before and after that. Just absolutely freezing. And here in my office at that time when I was talking to him, it was, I think, like 56 degrees in my office. And I'm bundled up. I'm trying to stay warm. Uh, that that was the episode that finally inspired me to clean around the studio office. And uh, meanwhile, 
I'm talking to him and he's on video and he's sweating because there in Australia it was well over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and he's he's hot he turned off his air conditioner bless his heart uh, so that way it wouldn't you know be any background noise and it was just it was quite the unique experience to see him sweating so much and I'm on my end freezing you know just trying to stay warm but I mean it, it was yeah that was just for us uh, it was just it was a really fun thing Chris and I uh, we talk about uh, blogging to find your voice uh, we talk about his first book the weaver's boy uh, that came out uh, about mid midway through last year and uh, you know another thing that I'm actually I'm, I'm really anxious for some feedback on this uh, this is the second time in uh, in our history of the show where connection problems or at least there was a fear of connection problems and so what we did is we made arrangements that uh, Chris has his own studio so uh, what we did was was Chris uh, actually did not do his reading live which you know 99% of the authors that's what uh, we've done so far so Chris did his reading there in his studio and sent it to me and I've added that to the show this time and so, like I said it's the second time uh, you have to go all the way back to uh, I think it's episode three with my uh, with uh, my good friend Roger Colby out of Oklahoma, uh, that same thing kind of happened there, and uh, I'm interested to see what you the listeners think of this because you know it's got me thinking that uh, maybe going forward, if authors have the ability, or perhaps even if uh, they feel more comfortable uh, reading in their own home, recording it and sending the file to me later. You know, who knows? This could be uh, this could be interesting. So I'm interested in, in fan feedback to find out. You know, do you like the uh, the idea of authors reading it live? And you know, I go back and I you know I do some changes and I do some editing. I want to make sure it's clean as possible. Or do you like the professional studio sound of an author um, reading the way you're going to hear Chris's today? Because it's it's an amazing reading. He does a top notch job. Uh, you're going to like it. I'm going to stop talking and get us on an overtory interview with Chris Rosser. Welcome, everyone. It is another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are going down under with a, a new friend of mine, author and blogger, Chris Rosser. Chris, welcome to the show. Welcome, and thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm I'm really thrilled about this. This is really cool how this happened, that we would uh, bump into each other online, and then within hours we're doing this interview. I'm 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 excited about this. This is this is really fun. I am too. And my goodness, uh, um, the internet and especially Twitter is an amazing place for this sort of thing. So <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that that hashtag writing community is. Uh, that's how I discovered your podcast originally. So. Um, they're yeah. a fantastic community, and I I know I'm learning all the great people out there. Uh, that that hashtag writing community is amazing. So, well, Chris, go ahead and tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, as you covered the basics, I'm a writer and blogger. I live in um, Melbourne, Australia, where it is stinking hot at the moment. <laughs> um, originally, I'm from the UK, um, uh, Wales, a rather unfashionable part of the UK, depending on who you talk to. Um, but I've lived here most of my life, and I was educated um, here as well um, through my university years. Um, spent a lot of time in my 20s, though, traveling to and from uh, the UK, which was uh, an incredible experience, but uh, 
settled here in Melbourne now um, with my wife and our three kids. Yeah, it's we were talking about before the show how the difference in the weather and, and how incredibly warm it is there. I'm sitting in my garage and it is um, 56 degrees here at my desk right now. <laughs> 56 Fahrenheit at my desk right now. I'm, I've got a long sleeve shirt and a sweater on yeah. to keep warm. <laughs> Well, I'm in a I'm in a t-shirt and I'm sweating because we you know the air conditioning is turned off so that it doesn't make any noise and uh, yeah we had we had a record-breaking day yesterday it was well over um oh, 100, 100 well over 100 Fahrenheit um oh, we got to 43 40, 43 centigrade um whatever that exactly works out to but man was it an unpleasant day oh I'm Ooh. sure I'm sure now d- does the weather affect you with your writing any absolutely. It does, yeah. It, it can be really unpleasant. I tend to do most of my writing in the um, probably in the cooler months, in 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 the um, in our um, late late fall autumn through to about December, and then I sort of take it easy over December and then into the summer holidays. But you know, a lot of my writing is done just sitting in bed, and um, when it's when it's stinking hot, it's um, yeah, it can be really difficult. Um, oh, to do that unless you've got that you know, air conditioning or what have you. Right. But uh, Well, so now have you always wanted to be a writer? No, strangely enough, I haven't. Um, I started out in life uh, wanting to um, do archaeology, which um, maybe a lot of people in my generation did. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I carried it all the way into um, uni. So my, uh, my undergraduate degree was in history and archaeology. And about halfway through, I got into a... Um, um, a sort of a, an identity crisis and I'd always loved writing I always had but it always had been a hobby it was just something I did um, just purely for pleasure in the background but as as I studied archaeology and I sort of got more disenfranchised with archaeology not so much archaeology but academia in general mm. um, and it just um, it just started to click for me that uh, no what it what drew me to archaeology and history was a love of narrative and I started then to slowly coalesce and change my education somewhat. And yeah, I've been sort of writing professionally since my mid twenties and um, just started fiction write. Oh, well, fiction writing for years, but just published um, about halfway through last year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I was checking that out. You've got uh, your, your first book that was the Weaver's boy, correct? That's correct. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's a really cool cover. I was, I was looking at, this is, Book one of the uh, oh I should have asked you beforehand the Lords <laughs> of Skinehold. Yeah, that's close enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a skein is quite an old fashioned word. It means like a thread. Um, and since um, uh, the, the way I do magic um, in my world, I call it the weave, and I use a lot of metaphor around um, uh, weaving and threads and tapestries and that sort of thing. So I you know there's a lot of the word skein uh, is repeated frequently um, throughout. I think it's an old Scots word or a very old English word. I can't remember. But yeah, anyway, that's the um, that's the background of the, the the series name. But yes, it's it's fantasy. I love fantasy, and I've um, I have been writing it as I said for years now, but mostly as a hobby. And this um, this book, The Weaver's Boy, was really to serve to get me back into writing fantasy and as a prelude to a. Um, a much larger work that I have coming out um, soon, Weaver of Dreams. So it was great. I wrote I wrote The Weaver's Boy in 
record time for me. I'd just come out of NaNoWriMo from 2017, and I wrote a contemporary thriller set in Chicago uh, because my wife challenged me to write a romance novel. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do that. Look, I'll, <laughs> I'll write a thriller and I'll make it a – I'll put a romance thing as a subplot in there. So I, I did that. I wrote that manuscript in about 10 weeks after um, uh, NaNoWriMo had finished and then said, look, I enjoyed doing it, but it's not me, so I want to go back to my roots. So I said, right, I've got this idea for uh, a story about Owen, one of the main characters in my big novel, Weaver of Dreams, and I said, right, I'll do it. And it was a light bulb moment. Um, I wrote it in um, less than a month, and it was just terrific. It clicked into place, and wow, that was it. So I'm back back writing fantasy with a plot. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I you got to love when... When the muse hits you just right and it's just flowing out of you. So now, did you did you plan any of this, or was it just coming at you so fast you just started pantsing it? Yeah, I pretty much um, pantsed it. I had a I had the character was very strong in my head, and I think that really helps. Um, and then I had a vague idea. I wanted to make it a coming of age story, you know, an uh, an event in in Owen's life where his magical ability sort of flourished. Uh, and I wanted to tie, tie in that with some just vague ideas that I had uh, around the um, the politics of the world and uh, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I didn't exactly plot it out scene by scene, but I had a fairly strong premise. I had a um, a strong character, and I just ran with it, and um, that was the result. So it was a a tiny bit of planning, but mostly, uh, to be honest, I just wrote it in the seat of my pants. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, I know we're going to hear from the book later on, but uh, go ahead and let us know what what is the uh, the story of uh, the Weaver's Board. What what is it about? Well, as I said, it's a it's essentially a coming of age story about um, a character Owen of Langorn, who's you meet him and he is apprenticed to a very renowned bard. Now I say bard, but it's a bard in the sort of druidic. Welsh tradition of a bard. So, you know, there is an element of the fantastic and magical about it as well. But bards in this particular culture also have um, a tremendous amount of social standing as law keepers. So that's law, L-O-R-E, and law, L-A-W. So um, he is apprenticed to this um, uh, this renowned older man. And he's for a year, he's been wanting to um, assert his, his prowess and to sing for the Duke of Kasmendok, who's a rival lord down south of where Owen and his master normally live. But his master has a change of plan, and Owen is a little bit resentful and angry with this because he's been preparing uh, for this for a year. He craves fame, and um, he has a you know he he has a, a particularly good um, singing voice and oratory and uh, and what have you. But his master changes the plan, and that's where the story starts to unfold. So instead of going to Kazmendok, they go to this uh, rude backwater in the boonies called Skainhold, and he doesn't know why. Um, and that's that's the setup for the, the story. Okay. Exciting. This, this sounds really amazing. Now, uh, how did uh, how did that how did that idea grab you? Like where did that uh, where where did you get the inception for I was just looking really for an angle as to what uh, again, it really came down to the character, and like the character is is ambitious across a number of um, different spectra, including you know he's politically ambitious as well. He 
wants to reach as many young men do to be you know, the best in his profession and a reach for um, knowledge that um, his master deems is not ready yet. So I wanted to begin setting him up with a disappointment, essentially, and to have something that um, would create that initial spark of conflict with both him and his master. Hmm. Um, and that was the idea. Now, the actual setting, um, I was inspired to write from a place I visited in um, Wales in the um, in about 2008. It was a castle that I went to, and it just it's always stuck with me. And I've pretty much lifted it and put it into um, my world. It's just this this remote little castle. It's not one of the big famous ones, but it just it just clicked with me as what a great place to set a story. So that was the that was the idea of where Skeinhole come came from and why Owen is being dragged there by his master despite his um, d- despite his protests. <laughs> It's it's wonderful whenever you can uh, you come across that place and it just the inspiration just, uh, hits you. Uh, it, same thing with with my book. I have a place that just it stuck with me it has since I was a teenager, and that's yep. where where my book came from. It's amazing what it can do, and uh, it's it's great to see. I mean, you got the same thing uh, that happened with me. You got your first book out of it, so this is great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was it was a lot of work um, and a lot of overcoming self-doubt as well. Um, I think that's a I think that's something that all writers struggle with. Yeah, uh, especially those of us who have taken the, um, the indie route and I've gone exclusively indie. I've, I've not tried. Um, I never tried to get it traditionally published. So there was an element of uh, self-doubt and a lot of self-criticism that um, I over, had to overcome, as well as all the work that goes into writing a damn book. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that feeling of my finger hovering over the button to <laughs> to click yeah. <laughs> publish and, yeah, and, and finally just taking a deep breath and then doing it and then going, oh, my gosh, I just hit publish. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's exciting and it's there's a there's that feeling of accomplishment of having the first one done that that's one of the things that I'm, I hope with this show that new writers people who are trying to get that first book done that they can I, I want them to have that same feeling because you get that first one done the next one doesn't feel like quite the mountain absolutely it's you, you, you're absolutely right. It's such a it's such a monkey off your back to get that done and to um, say, oh, I've done it. Now I can go on and do more. I can. And you you are when I think when you go into subsequent projects, then you are more confident and you have more belief about yourself and it gets easier. There, there's more. Um, the writing process, I think, gets easier and you the publishing process itself doesn't look as scary anymore because you've done it. You've, you've, you know, you've gone through the effort of getting it edited and the cover and you've worked out all the vagaries of, um, of Amazon and draft a digital and all these other aggregators that you can use. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it is a big milestone and it is a terrific feeling when you get it done. But after that first one, then it starts to feel a bit more business as usual. It, it starts, <laughs> you know, but that's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, then you can, then you can just sort of settle into your stride and um, and then just just enjoy it. Absolutely, yes, that's a that's a fantastic point. So, I, I hope everybody is is listening to that. So it's now Weaver of Dreams, uh, your next book coming up uh, sometime this year, uh, maybe here in the next few months. Well, it's it, 
slightly more, I did mention that. I've had that one on the, the blog for quite a while, and that was something when I originally wrote, but that um, isn't the next one. The, oh, um, that's, right. the, that's fine. The next one is um, a book called Caddock's Contract, and then I'm following with two more before I do, um, before I finally release Weaver of Dreams, and that will complete the series of um, The Lord of Skanehold. Ah. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be a little bit, um, a little bit further down the track, but yeah, so Caddock's Contract will be the next one I release, and then, um, if you don't mind the expression, the next one in the series will be called The Prince's Bastard. <laughs> All right. Well, all right, well, that's that's fantastic, though. So, and you have these, uh, you've got these kind of planned out. So you're hoping to, are you looking for like a quick release, or or just whenever they're ready, they're going to come out? Pretty much. Um, I'm gonna, I'm writing books two and three at the same time. Um, so I'm hoping if I can get them off to the editor at the same time. A lot of it, a lot of the slow stuff really is isn't so much the writing these days. It's just getting the reviews back from beta readers and your, your other um, other peers that you send this stuff out to. Um, so I'm, I'll write um, books two and three at the same time, and hopefully I can get them done in quick succession. That'll, and then I can just go back to concentrating on the big one and getting that out. So yeah. uh, that's the plan anyway. I mean, these things never work to plan, do they? So uh, <laughs> well, tell us about uh, tell us about your blog. Oh wow, what's to say? The um, um, I just started blogging out of just I don't know enjoyment. I had something to say, and I, I decided to say it. My blog originally started out to be more, uh, it was more technical in Orient. Yeah, it was more technical. So I was, I was writing, I was writing a lot of um, automation utilities and sharing code online. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where I think about the start of 2017 and said, look, enough's enough. I need to stop um, mucking around with all this other stuff and then just concentrate on writing. So mm -hmm. I sort of pivoted the blog then and I purely started writing about, um, you know, the writing process, uh, but also um, some of my most popular stuff is just the, the app reviews I do on uh, software to help you write. So um, yeah. I just dropped a, um, a review today for IA Writer. I've reviewed um, Scrivener um, on iOS. Um, I've reviewed Ulysses a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, it's what it is. It, it's, it's just a great means, to be honest, of getting into the healthy habit of writing. And I, I write just whatever the hell I want to write about with it. Well, and that that was something I noticed about some of your blogs. I was going through and checking them out. Is you're open, you're honest, and it's it's definitely a window into into who you are, so that readers can can see. You know, they pick up your first book and they're checking it out. They want to follow you along and to see more about you. You've got the perfect window for that because you are just being honest. And here's things that I like. Here's things I don't like. Here's what I think of this. And that's a a great window for readers that sometimes they don't get from an author yeah I, I suspect you're right there and I, I never really thought about it that way but I've always been you say open I've always been fairly blunt as well and <laughs> uh but yeah there's there's a big there's a big part of that that the only thing that goes on my blog are things that I am interested about and there's no real theme or um, anything like that it's just you know what I'm thinking about at the time um you know I don't really plan I just I just get what's on there and I get what's out there and if Anyone, um, anyone finds it useful or um, entertaining or informative, then um, then all the better. But um, I think it it actually helps to um, uh, to help craft your voice as a as an author as well as as well as being a blogger. I think it's um, the I can't separate the two, the blogging and the um, 
the the fiction writing, even though they're wow. not necessarily the same domain. So it is just a one facet of of my voice uh, as an author, as a writer. Yeah, well, and I think readers will pick that up. So, and that that's a that's a really unique thing. Well, I, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really, like I said, the idea of just connecting just a matter of hours ago and all of a sudden here we are face to face through the magic of Skype and talking and having this interview. Tell the audience, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? Um, how can they find you? A great place to start is my website. That's chrisrosser.net. And for social media, I'm most active on Twitter. And if you think I'm blunt on my blog, on Twitter, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Liz, yes, I don't, I don't pull any punches on Twitter, but no, I'm, I'm not abusive or anything like that. I just, you, know, <laughs> I do, you just, you've just got to contract that bluntness into 240 characters. Yeah, so Twitter, you can find me. I'm at C Rosser Author, and of course, my website again was chrisrosser.net. Yeah, and we'll make sure and put links to all these in the show notes. Uh, checking out your website, you've got links on there for for your Twitter, and for all the different places on Amazon that we can find your books, which is a fantastic way to uh, to set that up, whether it's uh, UK or uh, America or uh, Australia. That's awesome that you have the links there and waiting for people. I have to do them all because um, I'm just amazed where people around the world have, have bought my book, and Australia is actually one of my weakest markets. Um, I've sold far more books in um America and the UK than I have here in Australia. So I've got to put them all uh, in there. So yeah. Cover all your bases. That's the way you do it. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And I appreciate you uh, you being willing to, to do this with such short notice. I, I've had a blast and uh, I look forward to uh, to checking out Weaver's Boy. And I, I can't definitely can't wait to hear your chapter. So. Thank you very much. It's been a privilege and a delight. And I hope we can do this in the future. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of the way and uh, hand the floor over to Mr. Chris Rosser with The Weaver's Boy. The Weaver's Boy, written and narrated by Chris Rosser. Chapter 1, Encounter. Owen sniffed the air and scowled. The rain was supposed to make the world smell fresh. True, it washed away the acrid smell of wood smoke and the stink of dung and unwashed bodies. Yet the rain brought its own bouquet of mold, rotting vegetation, the wet fur of animals and the dank stink of mud underfoot. He tightened his grip on the bridle of his master's horse, cursing the animal's slowness as he led both horse and master along the mired road. His hands were as cold and wet as his feet, which sank into the mud at every step. The river Kai ran its course alongside the road. The water ran high and swift, swelled by the runoff from the valley's high slopes. Another foot and it might break its banks, though his master insisted that hadn't happened in twenty years. The rushing water compounded the ache in Owen's bladder. The feeling had been steadily building since leaving Colfric three hours and two pints of cider earlier. He cast a longing glance at one of the many trees forming a loose boundary between river and road, debating whether to relieve himself. No. Master Tristan bade him not to stop until they reached Skeinhold. Tristan insisted they reach the castle before nightfall, and with good reason. The Kai Valley was not safe for travellers at night, not even for his renowned master, the Bard of Langorn. Still, nature was calling, and surely a quick dash to one of the trees would be a reasonable and brief diversion. No. Master Tristan demanded discipline, not least over the weaknesses of the body. The bard who cannot master his own body, the old man frequently said, can never expect to master voice and instrument. Owen didn't quite believe his master's assertion, but he did believe in the consequence of his actions. 
He knew he was gifted. Master Tristan had said as much. But if he ever wanted to learn more than weaving music and song, he had to stay on his master's good side. Gods, I really need to piss. Owen chanced to look backwards, turning over his shoulder and picking up from under the hood of his cowl. Master Tristan lolled and swayed with the movement of the horse. The old man's face was hidden by the shadow of his hood. Was he asleep? Owen decided he wouldn't risk it. Discipline was a worthy quality, if a tiresome one. Besides, Owen didn't want to cause his master's disappointment again. He turned ahead and tugged on the horse's reins, hoping to pick up the pace. The road, and road was being generous, between Colfric and Skeinhold was only ten miles. Yet the rain and mud had made the journey a laborious slog, doubling the time it should have taken. Some fifty yards ahead, the river cut through a thick copse of trees. Owen squinted into the rain. His eyes followed the line of the wooded banks, picking up the road as it skirted the copse. In the distance, the valley's edge broke into a sheer cliff face that suggested the entrance of a shallow gorge. Hadn't Tristan said Skeinhole Castle straddled the confluence of the Kai and Talu rivers? He chided himself for not paying more attention when his master outlined their journey earlier that week. It was his own fault. His disappointment at the change in plan angered him to willful insolence. For half a year, they'd planned to travel to Kazmandok in the court of Duke Arta Kasparu. Owen had never visited a proper city, and the prospect of performing before Duke Arthur both exhilarated and terrified him. When Tristan announced they would go instead to Skeinhold, his disappointment had been impossible to conceal. Owen glared under his hood, his mood darkening. Performing for the Duke promised to enhance his stature beyond his homeland, and perhaps even the chance to shine through his master's long shadow. It was hard not to take the news personally. Stop it. There must be a good reason. His master had long spoken of the need to foster close ties with the Venic ruled duchy. Even Owen knew those ties were strained and close to unravelling. His own ruler, Prince Griffod, had married off his sister, Arenwen, to Duke Arta, but after ten years of marriage she had died giving birth to Arta's twins, Lillian and Emelan. That was six years ago, but ever since her death the relationship between Prince and Duke had soured, and old tensions over trade and territory had surfaced once again. Yes, a good reason indeed. Yet... The old man had not shared his reasons, leading Owen to wallow in speculation and resentment in their three-day journey from Langorn to Skeinhold. Owen quickened his pace as best he could in the ankle-deep mud. He yanked the reins, his master's horse snorting in protest. The animal's annoyance reminded Owen of the virtue of patience, and so he relaxed his grip. It wouldn't do to have the horse rear and throw the old man from his saddle. They came to the edge of a thick copse of trees on the river's bank. Owen followed the road around its edges. The rain eased to a fine drizzle, and the misty rain hung in the air like a shroud, blurring Owen's sight. They rounded the copse. Ahead, the valley opened into a patchwork of fields and cottages, and Owen squinted against the fading light. Skeinhold Castle lay a mile distant, a grey smudge against the rolling green hills along the horizon. The castle's keep rose from the centre of the complex, twice as high as the perimeter walls and their defensive towers at each of the four corners. He couldn't see the gatehouse and wondered if it lay along the southern or western wall, which he couldn't see from his vantage point. Owen stopped in the middle of the road and turned about. The horse tugged against his restraining hand. Owen loosened his grip on the reins and let her wander to the road's edge, where she bent her head and began to clip the grass. He followed and patted his master's leg. Master, he said softly. Tristan opened one eye. We're close to Skeinhold. Tristan opened his second eye and frowned. Close to Skeinhold is not the same as in Skeinhold. No, Owen said cautiously. I thought you'd like the chance to approach the place awake. Tristan's frown deepened. I was awake. Your eyes were closed, Master, Owen said. Forgive the assumption. I was meditating. Yes, Master, said Owen, trying to sound agreeable. He turned and looked upon Skeinhold, his shoulders slumping in disappointment. It doesn't look like much. Skeinhold, I mean. 
Tristan gave a pensive nasal hum as he stared at the settlement. Hmm, no, you're right there. It's changed somewhat since I was last year. Not for the better, it seems. Owen looked up at the old man. When was that, master? Eight or nine years ago, Tristan replied. Owen turned back and looked up at the old man. Master, why... He stopped, casting his eyes downward. Tristan's eyebrows met in the middle. My boy, if you've something to say, spit it out. You're a bard in training. Act like one. Owen's cheeks flushed. I... I would know. I mean, I'd like to know your reasons for coming here. Oh, you would, said Tristan, with a bemused smile. Well, I thought it was past time to see an old friend. And that's more important than greasing Arta's ass. Tristan chuckled. Careful how you repeat Prince Griffod's words, boy. It's most unbecoming in a bard when he speaks too much like his patron. Owen's lips curled in a half-smile. But I am right, master. I know your reasons are important. Why do you say that? Because, master, you above all men in Griffod's court champion Arta's cause. True, said Tristan, stretching the word before lapsing into a brief pause. Perhaps I do so out of a desire for peace. War will not blossom if we miss one festival. No, said Owen carefully, mightily irritated when he realized Tristan had skillfully avoided answering his question. Now come on, said Tristan. Let us be on our way. We're burning what little daylight remains. Owen shifted his weight from one leg to the other and grimaced. Master, do you mind if I relieve myself first? Tristan pointed towards the castle. Wouldn't you prefer the comfort of a privy? Owen grimaced. Not if it's like those in Colfric. Tristan asked. Well said. He waved his hand towards the edge of the copse. Do what you must, and don't be long about it. Owen offered the man the reins, then dashed off towards the trees. The trees grew close together in a mass of tangled limbs and roots. Dense blackberry bushes made it almost impossible to venture too deep, but he managed to find a way through to a small space that afforded him privacy, with minimal risk of scratching himself on thorns and branches. His need increased to a state of urgency, and he fumbled with his robe and breeches. He'd been holding for so long it took a moment to relax enough to let the stream flow. When it did, his relief was palpable, and Owen let out a long sigh. Suddenly, the trees rustled off to his right. He turned and caught a streak of movement. A flush of panic came over him, heart beating hard against his ribs. His dream sight flooded his awareness, fueled by his uncontrolled surge of fear. Fear? And not all of it mine. They were afraid. Of him. They. Yes, he sensed two of them. Owen finished and hastened to cover himself. He tracked the pair's movements and set off after them. The rustling became louder as they tried to escape through the thicket. A boy swore, his voice edged in panic. Owen pushed through the trees and saw them, a young woman and a boy, their passage of escape blocked by a wall of thorns. Stop, cried Owen. Please, I'll not harm you. The pair looked terrified. The boy, who looked no older than thirteen, quivered like a frightened hare. His companion, a young, dark-haired woman, perhaps nineteen or twenty, crouched defensively between Owen and the boy. Her face was streaked with dirt, but she looked lovely to him, a wild and fierce thing with quick, dark eyes that shone with intelligence. She held a bow across her chest, her shaking hand trying to knock an arrow on the string. "'Who are you?' she hissed. "'A traveller,' Owen said, keeping his tone as even and as calm as possible. "'We—that is my master and I—are from Langorn. We are bound for Skeinhold. "'How old are you?' Owen's eyes widened, surprised by the question. "'I—uh—I'm seventeen—no, eighteen. the young woman frowned in suspicion. "'You don't know?' Owen shook his head. "'It's not that. It's—never mind. Why do you want to know?' "'You won't be safe around her,' said the woman. Owen said, "'Who are you talking about?' Without taking her eyes off Owen, she returned the arrow to the quiver at her belt. "'If you've any sense, you'll leave this place and you'll go home. It's not safe here.' Owen smiled. "'It's all right. I'm under my master's protection.' The woman shook her head. "'Won't do you any good.' "'Why not?' asked Owen. "'What are you running from?' The woman didn't answer. She pulled a dagger from her belt, turned, and bent over to help the boy extricate himself from the thorns that ensnared his cloak.' Owen watched. 
captivated by her swaying rump, shown off to good effect in the tight-fitting garments of a travelling man. "'Where are you going?' the woman replied with her back to Owen as she knelt over the boy. "'Away from Skeinhold. We're only waiting here until nightfall.' Owen winced. "'You can't travel after dark in this valley. You'll be murdered.' The woman freed the boy from the last of the thorns and sheathed the dagger at her hips. "'It's better than staying there.' "'She... she's a witch,' said the boy, suddenly stammering in fear. "'Shut up, Tom,' said the girl, and she bent to pick up two fallen bundles. She thrust both into the boy's arms, forcing him to grunt and step back, then slung her bow over her shoulders. "'Please leave us, and don't try to follow.' Her tone was pleading and afraid, her anger thinning. She motioned the boy back towards the trees in the direction of the river and turned to follow him. "'Wait! I can't help! My master!' The woman stopped and turned suddenly, her eyes boring at him. "'Who's your master?' Owen stepped back from the intense suspicion and distrust in her gaze. "'Tristan of Langorn!' The young woman's eyes widened, her expression caught between wonder and fear. "'The weaver of dreams? He's here?' she asked in a hushed tone. Her use of the old title threw him. It was seldom used in Langorn, except among the superstitious and the elderly. Did the people of the Kai Valley cling harder to the old ways? Well, she asked, hand on one hip, which did wonders to accentuate her figure. Y yes, he stammered, uncomfortable by the directness of her speech. That she was beautiful in her own wild way wasn't helping his composure either. Why has he come here? Owen shrugged helplessly. He's not told me, he began. And despite his present resentment towards Tristan, speaking of his master rebuilt some of his confidence. Will you come to speak with him? He can help you, the woman shook her head. We'll take our chances. Are you? Just go, she snapped. Owen recoiled and spread his arms in a gesture of peace. All right, have it your way. The gods be kind to you both. The woman ushered her younger companion back under the cover of the dense trees. She was poised to follow him when she turned and cast one final glance at Owen. Leave. Do not step foot in Skeinhold. The young woman melted into the undergrowth before Owen had a chance to reply. He stood there, eyes fixed on the branches that swayed with her passage. He heard them scrambling and scraping. The sound soon faded to nothing. Some bloody wordsmith I am. I didn't even ask her name. For a moment he was more concerned with his awkward shyness around young women. He could recite and sing before a crowd of hundreds, but find himself before a pretty face and a full bosom and all his training counted for nothing. Damn it, how long have I been here? He let out a long sigh, resigning himself to his master's displeasure, as he turned and retraced his steps back to the road. In his haste, Brambles tugged at his cloak and scratched his forearms. He emerged from the copse just as the sun disappeared behind the walls of the valley. Tristan had dismounted and was standing off the road, still holding his horse's bridle as the animal tore out tufts of grass from the roadside. The old man leaned casually on his stout oak staff. "'Where have you been, boy?' Tristan asked, his tone thankfully more curious than irritated. Owen related his encounter, and Tristan's heavy brows furrowed. The old man's gaze shifted from Owen to the trees behind, his expression becoming more somber as Owen described the pair's fear. Owen read the concern in his master's expression, but he left his own questions unasked. "'Did they give you their names?' Or that of this witch? She called the boy Tom. That's all I know. The girl wouldn't answer my questions. The old man's bushy eyebrows met in the middle as he frowned. Now we'll deal with them later. She said they were running at nightfall. Tristan shrugged and gazed off to the north. They won't wander too far. Common sense will prevail. Owen wasn't so sure, but he knew better than to argue. Anything else? asked Tristan. Owen met his master's eyes. Only... Go on, said Tristan, an amused glint in his eyes. My dream sight, said Owen. It was triggered in my panic at first hearing them, unbidden, as you warned me it might. Tristan raised an eyebrow, a knowing smile on his lips. Yes, and so it will until you learn control. Today, more than any other day. Owen eyed his master with suspicion. He had learned, or rather inferred, enough about magic to know Tristan, would have sensed the sudden release of Dreamsight in such proximity. You knew and you did not come to my aid, Tristan shrugged. I sensed you were in no mortal danger. Was I wrong to trust you'd look after yourself? 
Owen flushed crimson and caught the teasing look in his master's face. No, but you'd promise you'd begin teaching me magic should it happen again. And I will, once you've learned patience. Owen sighed, having lost count of the number of times Tristan had dangled this carrot before him. Yes, master. Tristan patted him on the shoulder. Rest easy and be patient, boy. It's a discussion for another day. This time of plenty. You must first master song and law. Magic does not rest well on youthful shoulders. Owen nodded, trying to take his master's words to heart while being acutely aware of his own impatience. What of Skeinhold? Should we not heed their warning? Tristan shrugged. Perhaps. Then again, perhaps they are nothing more than frightened children fleeing an abusive father. Perhaps, Owen echoed, though he was not wholly convinced. Their fear had been real. He'd felt it as surely as the rain on his head and the mud oozing beneath his feet. Yet in the comfort of his master's presence, he could well believe the pair were nothing but wayward delinquents. Tristan handed over the reins of his horse and pulled his staff free of the mud. Nevertheless, we will be cautious. Now come on. I grow tired of this rain. Let us present ourselves to the good people of Skeinhold. Tristan set off down the road, his pace brisk for a man of his advanced years. Owen watched him for several moments. He wondered if their reason for travelling to this godsforsaken mire was somehow related to whatever fear had driven the young woman and the boy away. His expression soured. Why don't you tell me your reasons, old man? Hurry up, boy! Tristan bellowed without looking back. Owen gave a long sigh, tugged on the reins, and trudged after his master. That was Chris Rosser reading Chapter 1 from The Weaver's Boy, his first book of The Lords of Skinehold. I It was a lot of fun. I've already picked up a copy of the book, and I recommend you do the same. Make sure you follow Chris on his website. You know, Check out his blog. Follow the links in the show notes for that and uh, for so much more. Thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in again, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that way every week you get yourself a new author, a new story, and a new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you again next week.